Thank you. Team, we appreciate these who faithfully are ministering and preparing to lead us in worship. I am so glad we are together this morning, hopefully joining with millions throughout God's world. Different countries, different time zones, some far ahead of us, 12, 14 hours, others coming behind us in time zone. But prayerfully, our desire is that with one heart, one mind, one mouth, we will give worship and honor and praise and obedience to God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and God the Holy Spirit. I'm glad we are together. Our prayer for you, our guests, our friends worshiping with us, our prayer is that you will see, experience, and share with joy the gifts of Jesus Christ resurrected. That's our prayer that you will experience in your own life and share with joy. Experience, share with joy the gifts of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Whew. That's our prayer. The sacrifice of praise honors our Lord and prepares the way for him to show forth salvation in his son. There's no other salvation. There's no other way to enter God's family. No other way to become an adopted son and daughter except through Christ. Christ's deity, Christ's humanity, Christ's life, his death, his resurrection. So may I lead us in a sacrifice of praise that will honor him and we trust prepare the way for him to show forth and display the salvation in Christ. Let's pray. Now, Father, we're here in your presence. You are our audience. And we come together with your family throughout the world in different time zones, different countries. And it is our desire to bring you the sacrifice of praise that you are honored and exalted, that you are pursued and enjoyed, that Christ is seen and worshiped and obeyed. We thank you first, Father, for yourself and for Christ, for his life, his, Father, his death, his perfection, God-man, never, ever, ever sinning, yet willingly became sin. On behalf of all those you have given to him, that through him we may have his perfection credited to our life. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We've never ever needed him more than we do today. 
We thank you for the scriptures, the Bible that is perfect and complete without error. We thank you for the bride of your son, the church throughout the world. And we pray, as you tell us in scripture, for those in leadership over us. Yes, the leaders of our nation, President Trump, his advisors, our senators, congressmen and women, our justices, our law enforcement, our first responders. Father, we pray for our military, our men and women stationed throughout the nations, that all, Father, you will make us those who seek you and pursue you and do as you tell us in Scripture, that godliness and righteousness will prevail in our lives, in our conduct, in our behavior. Father, we pray as you tell us in Scripture for the suffering, the persecuted, imprisoned, suffering and imprisoned, Father, and tortured and starved because of faith in Christ. We pray for them as if we are there with them, that you fill them with joy, that you fill them with gladness. Yes, joy and gladness, as Christ says. Remind them of the great reward you have prepared for them in your presence. Now, Father, for the ministry of Christ occurring throughout the nations today, Father, slums of India, house churches in China, people huddled together in Muslim countries where it's cost them their life, that you're worshipped, that you're worshipped from us and from all. Please, Father, your son deserves this. And it brings joy to your people. So we ask you to convert the lost, breathe life into the lost in Christ. Amen. I do remind us in this family and in other families who are watching us, congregations, that we remember what Christ said. To whom much is given, much is expected. To whom much is given, much is expected. To whom much is entrusted, much more is demanded. So from this ministry or whatever ministry, you are a part in worship of Christ. Express your gratitude through your tithes and through your offerings to that ministry. Good news. Brandon and Sarah Shane. Bryn and Sarah, with their four young children, have been ministering in North Africa. They have been scheduled to come home in May for about four months to work here and then to return to that nation where they minister in medicine. But because of COVID-19 and restrictions, they felt they should come home now in April uh, they believe waited for five counseled air flights, but they arrived. They're back in the States. We heard from them on early Saturday morning saying that they had returned safely and hope to be back in Greenwood soon. So we look forward to seeing Brent and Sarah and their four young children and spend time with them before 
Lord willing, they return to that nation where they represent Christ in providing medicine in a very desolate, desolate place. We're thankful. How are you doing? How are you doing? I'm real sincere. That's not some cliche. How are you doing today? Are you scared? Are you frightened? Are you frustrated? Discouraged? Even depressed? Because of what Christ is allowing, not only in our nation, in our communities, yes, Christ is allowing throughout the world. Because he's sovereign. Jesus Christ is sovereign. That means he's all-powerful. But how are you responding? How are you? Perhaps you're encouraged. There's a sense of joy and gladness and that you're able to rest in Christ's sovereignty. Or perhaps there's a mixture of both. At times, encouraged or greatly distressed. Cancellations everywhere. Cancellations of school. Cancellations of important meetings. Cancellation of flights for those who are flying. Cancellation of graduations. Just cancellation after cancellation. Got good news. <laughs> Based on the truth of the Bible, good news. Easter is not canceled. Easter is not canceled. That's good news. Again, it is my prayer that we and all everywhere will experience, enjoy, and share the gifts of the resurrected Jesus Christ. I answered my phone. The lady was not only crying, and she's given permission to share this. Not only was she crying, she was sobbing. Sobbing. As she remembered choices that she had made in her life, choices of which was grieving her, of which she was embarrassed and deeply ashamed. She was grieving. And she said, Tell me the gospel again. Tell me the gospel again. I want to hear what I know up here. I want to hear it again, the gospel of Jesus Christ in her sobbing. And as I shared again the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's centered on three, three statements, three phrases of truth. What is the gospel? can summarize it, hopefully truthful to Scripture, in three words, three phrases, three statements. The first is perfection. Perfection. Jesus Christ is perfect God-man. The gospel is good news centered all around Jesus Christ. Good news centered around Christ. First, that He's perfect. He's perfect God, deity, perfect man, human. 
He's perfect. Jesus Christ never, ever sinned. He never said a bad word. He never had a sinful thought. He never, ever did anything wrong. He was perfect. Because he was perfect, that's the first truth. Second, great exchange. The gospel is that Christ is perfect. Second, great exchange. What is that? Perfect God-man Christ. Great exchange. Comes to those the Father gives to him. And Christ, by his life, by his death on that cross, by taking sin upon himself, accepting God's judgment against sin that Christ did not deserve. He accepted the punishment, the wrath of God. He just accepted God's judgment of hell upon himself that he did not deserve. He accepted it so that he gives his perfection to all of those the Father has given to him. The great exchange, Christ accepting judgment, punishment against sin that he did not deserve and gives his very perfection to all of those the Father gives to him. The great exchange, that's good news. So that his perfection is credited to all of those who repent of your sin and believe on Him. Turn from your sin, believe on Him. The great exchange. What is it? The perfection of Christ, the gospel. The great exchange. Christ accepts judgment. Christ gives His perfection. Thirdly, resurrection. Resurrection. The resurrection proves that God the Father is pleased with the work of God the Son. He's pleased. He accepts what Christ has done. The resurrection. So we're applauding. We're applauding Christ's perfection, the great exchange, and His resurrection. And I briefly shared that with I'll call her Mary again. She gave permission. And she appreciated it. She called back a week later. She was a different person. Calm, thankful, resting in Christ. Resting in the gospel. Resting in the good news of Christ's perfection is her perfection. Joying in the great exchange, Christ accepted her sin and Christ gave her his perfection by his resurrection. How is it with you? How is it with you? Full of joy? Full of gladness? Or struggling? Struggling to believe this? May I today, just for a few minutes, review that wonderful, wonderful event of which we're celebrating throughout the world? And then hopefully five precious, valuable gifts 
that Christ gives to all of his own. I'm looking at Matthew 28, then over to Mark 16, and then Luke, and then John. Hopefully combining those four accounts together. Let's review. Let's joy. Let's feast together on what happened. Christ was crucified. He was executed on that Friday. It began at 9 a.m., the crucifixion. At noon, the daylight became dark. It became night at noon. And then at 3 o'clock when Christ had died, the sun came out. For six hours, Christ was on that cross, crucified. He was taken off the cross. After 3, the Jews were in a hurry to get the dead body off the cross before the Sabbath began at 6 o'clock. So they were under time restraints. They got him off. They placed him in a tomb. Joseph of Arimathea with Nicodemus had requested his body. Joseph was a wealthy man. He had his own tomb. Tombs and graves were cut out of a mountain. A family may have several shelves carved in there. And Jesus was placed on one of those shelves. The authorities remembered that during Jesus' life, he said he would die and come back to life. The authorities did not want Jesus' disciples to come and steal his body and and then claim that he was resurrected. So when he was placed on that tomb, in that tomb, in that grave, the authorities placed guards there to keep his disciples from coming and stealing his body. The Sabbath goes from Friday 6 p.m. to Saturday 6 p.m. And so at the end of the Sabbath, these women, they go and they obtain spices to anoint Christ's body. The Jews did not embalm. They did not embalm. They did put spice and ointments on the body because it was decaying and also to show their appreciation and respect for the deceased. They got their spices Early the next morning, after the Sabbath, early that Sunday morning, probably while it was still day, they'd either fix those spices on Saturday night or early Sunday. Before day, they took off. They were heading to the grave where Jesus had been buried. As they were approaching the grave, Mary and the other Mary were talking. How are we going to remove that tomb? How are we going to remove that rock? that is covering the entrance to the grave. (laughs) Giant stone. How are we going to move it? And they were startled. They got to the grave and they could see there was enough light that the stone had been moved. And there was an angel sitting on that, that stone. Can you imagine what that was like, seeing an angel? Ah, the scriptures say that angel was bright like lightning. Lightning. And clothes, clothes as white as snow. The angel said to them, 
He's not here. He is risen. Just like he said. He's not here. He is risen. He is alive just like he said. Now you go and tell the others that Jesus wants to meet them in Galilee. You go tell them. The Bible says the women and the guards, who the guards saw this, there had been an earthquake. The angel had removed the tomb. Jesus chose women as the very first to know that he was not no longer dead but alive. Isn't that wonderful? Such respect and appreciation for ladies. He chose them as the very first ones to know that he was alive and to report to the others. The Bible says that when those women heard, saw that it's gone, he's not there, he's alive, just like he said, that they responded both with fear and joy. Fear and joy. That's what the scriptures say. Two words. Fear, joy. I asked our preacher friend, Pastor Richard Smith, who's a part of our ministry here at times and conferences. Richard, what does that mean? They were fearful and yet joyful. And he shared it was probably something like this. The gentleman develops headaches, severe headaches. And he goes to his physician and the physician orders tests and exams. Brain tumor. Surgery. As soon as possible. Well, before the surgery actually occurs, the doctor wants to do one more test. And doing that exam and its follow-up, he and all are amazed. Tumor is gone. There is no tumor. I cannot do surgery when there's no tumor to remove. And the patient, and the family, and the friends hear that news. And how do they respond? Perhaps with fear, like, what? This can't be. Fear. And yet joy. They know what they're doing. <laughs> Surely, yes, there's fear. They're scared. Is this real? Uh, but joy, and before they can barely get out of the hospital, what? They're on their phone. They're on their text. They're tweeting. Listen. <laughs> no tumor. Fear and joy are the two words that describe these. As they, the Bible says, quickly, quickly, get up and start running, running to tell those of what has happened. He's not there. The grave is empty, just like he said. It was probably culturally very unusual for women to run. Think of the prodigal son 
who rebelled against the authority of his father, the wealthy father. You remember the two sons? One of them went, the youngest went to dad. I want my inheritance now. As if you're dead. Give me what's mine. And the father does it. And he leaves the young man. And the Bible says squanders, wastes all of that wealth his father had given him in sinful living. And now destitute and impoverished, the son comes home. Realizing that the slaves of his father, that pigs were having better meals and food than he himself was enjoying. So he came home to repent, to say he was sorry. The father saw the son coming. And the Bible says the father pulls up his robe and does what? He runs. He runs to his son. He runs to embrace him. The dignified, wealthy runs to his son. These women run to share the good news. That's what we have in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I want us to ask with sincerity, what difference does this make in everyday life? Let's be honest. What difference does this make in your everyday life? What difference does it make now in your life, in your family, in our communities with COVID-19, with all the restrictions, all the uncertainties, the fall of the stock market, finances, people laid off. What is happening? What difference does the resurrection make in your life and hopefully in the lives of others? We have what we call the catechism. And the catechism gives us five wonderful gifts that we can enjoy because of the resurrection. From the Westminster Shorter Catechism, the question is this, 36. What are the benefits which in this life, this life now, accompany or flow from justification, adoption, and sanctification? What difference does it make that Jesus is God-man? The great exchange. What difference? His resurrection. I call the benefits gifts. Gifts to all who will repent, to all who will believe. If you, by the Holy Spirit, are repenting of your sin, turning from going your own way, turning to Christ, here are five gifts that are yours. Hopefully to experience and share with others. Assurance of God's love. Peace of conscience. Joy in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Increase of grace. And perseverance therein to the end. I do not want us to rush over those. I want us to go back and see what is here? Assurance of God's love. 
Are you turning from your sin? Are you turning from going your own way? Are you desirous and willing to obey and love Christ out of what he's done for you? You can have assurance of God's love. The Bible says if we confess our sins, listen, if you confess your sins, accept responsibility of your sin, of the things you say that are wrong, the thoughts you have that are wrong, your behavior, if you will confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and declare that you're righteous as He is righteous. You can have as a gift from the living Jesus Christ assurance of God's love. Now listen, if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, it is impossible for God the Father to love you any more than he already does. Hear it again. If Christ is your Savior, if he is your love, your, his love for you is so secure that you can never ever do enough to increase his love for you. Nor decrease his love for you. The Father's love for His sons and daughters, His love and commitment to you is not based on your performance, but it's based on the obedience of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You can have that assurance. Though we struggle to believe it. Secondly, peace of conscience. Peace Peace in your troubles. That's what Mary needed. A peace to her conscience because of her past. It's what I need and you need and all. Jesus says, Peace I give to you, not as the world gives. His peace that is beyond understanding. That's a gift that He gives to all of those who will repent and turn to Him. Thirdly, the third gift is joy. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I have told you these things in John 15. I've told you these things so that Jesus said, his joy would be in you and that your joy would be complete. Yes, in the uncertainty of your health, of your finances, of the present, of the future. We do not know, but this we do know. We can have assurance of His love. You can have peace to your conscience and yes, you can have joy in the Holy Spirit because Jesus 
provides. Fourthly, an increase of grace. Whereas we can look back at this time in our life and through the gift of increase of grace, we can say we've got grown through this. A growing in grace, a growing in knowledge of Christ so that if we're still alive next year, hopefully we will have been growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And then the fifth gift that he gives us is perseverance to the end. Perseverance, not giving up, not quitting, not turning to the left, not turning to the right, but staying on that straight and narrow path of grace and persevere. Not merely endure, but persevere. Betty gave me permission to share this. She and her husband had worked hard. They'd saved. They had a home in the city in which they lived, and they also had a lake home that they enjoyed. They sold their home in the city. They retired. Uh, their broker, their financial advisor, handling their retirement, was a friend. He was a part of their church family, and he had assured them, all is well. You're doing great. You're spending. No problem. And then he called them in later. You've lost everything. You have nothing. Not just lowering, lower stock market. They had lost everything. All they had now was what? Social security that no way was sufficient. Wait a minute. You told us we tr It's gone. It's gone. And yes, Betty and her husband struggled with anger, bitterness, and resentment, and questions like what happened? Was it the stock market? Was your mismanagement? Did you steal? But in all of that, there was inner peace. Resting in Christ's sovereignty that the Lord gives and the Lord takes. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Those are gifts that Christ gives because of his resurrection, the great exchange, and his perfection. How is it with you? Are you one of his? Are you turning from your sin? Are you turning to Christ? Christ said, whoever will come after him, deny yourself. Take up the cross daily and follow him.
daily the struggles. There's joy. There's anger. There's peace. There's worry. Yes. But listen. The gospel is this. The good news. Jesus Christ, the perfect one, never sinned. Jesus Christ, the perfect one, offers the great exchange. He is able and willing to accept your punishment, your judgment, your sin upon Himself. He is able and willing to make you as perfect as He is positionally before God by His resurrection. So we're celebrating the resurrection. Christ, who never ever sinned, became sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. So that you and I and all who will come after Him, deny yourself, take up the cross daily to follow Him. Easter is not canceled. His perfection as your perfection. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Christ. Thank you for his perfection. Thank you for the great exchange of Christ taking sin and punishment and judgment upon himself. Christ giving his very, very perfection to all of those you've given to him in the resurrection. Thank you for the gospel. And the Father, for those who are seeing and hearing not only our service, but services occurring throughout your world by the Holy Spirit enable us to come after Christ who must first come after us. To come after Christ. To deny ourselves. To take up the cross daily and follow Him. And experience and enjoy these wonderful gifts. Assurance of your love. Peace to the conscience. A joy in the Holy Spirit. Growing in the grace and knowledge of Christ. And persevere until we appear in your presence through Christ, in His name, amen.